0: Welcome to the KPC podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Father, I am, uh, I guess, unashamedly very emotional today. I, I found myself in worship uh, undone so many times, and uh, I just need your help to preach today. And I am so thankful for what I get to talk about. Oh God, I'm so thankful for this message. And we just avail ourselves to you, Lord God, as a congregation. We we step underneath the word of God. And we say, Lord, would you speak to us today through your word in a way that changes us forever, for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today, um, I feel a little bit like Lou Gehrig making that famous speech in Yankee Stadium. Today, I feel like the luckiest man, 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 on the face of the earth, 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 because I get to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, Um, that... Yeah, there you go. Okay, good. They're good. Okay, the whole, you know we, we need to get one of those applause. I get to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Um, so so I want to start though first with a universal human truth that really sets the stage for the, the, the Spirit of God um, in our lives. And the, the universal human truth is that this life is way too big for us. Has, has anyone ever? Has anyone else figured that out? Life is too big you know even though some of us can do different parts of it pretty well or maybe it seems like we get 75 85% of it it's too much to manage it's too much to control it's it's too much to hold just right and have it all play out uh, the unexpected the expected that becomes the unexpected you know all this stuff you know you, you look at marriage family kids finances career relationships health household it's just too big for us now Spiritually speaking, though, when we talk about spiritual life, actually the news is a bit worse. Actually, it's a whole lot worse. Um, Spiritually speaking, we cannot save ourselves from darkness, sin, and death. We can't do it. There's never been the human being who could rescue themselves eternally. You know, none of us has the ability to work our way to heaven. Uh, we cannot be good enough to earn God's favor and get a free pass. And so, so the point for us is this. We need rescue as human beings. We desperately need salvation. If we, don't have, if we don't have God's salvation through Jesus Christ, we are spiritually done. That's it. But, you know, even after that moment of salvation, the dependency and the desperate need is still there. To grow up in Christ to mature. You know, as as my parents used to sing in in, in our charismatic church in the 80s, you know, to become like a tree, like a tree, like a green olive tree. We need the help of God to grow up into the fullness of Christ. And then, then when we get to the next stage, which is, and then completing the Great Commission, for you and I to then go out there And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey the Word of God and grow up into the fullness of Christ. We really, really need the intervention and the help of God. Spiritual life is so much bigger than we are. Okay, that was the depressing part of the sermon, right? You ready to move on to the good stuff? But hallelujah, it's not up to us. You know, God has made provision for all of this. You know, God has a plan for our rescue and our empowering to take us from here to there, from futility to success and to victory. And my my brothers and my sisters, that is why God has given the Holy Spirit to the church to the people of God. That is the whole point of the Holy Spirit. So, in our lives, He will be the difference maker. But see, first, before we even dig into this, i got to blow up a myth, okay? So, here's your myth buster moment. The Holy Spirit is not, spiritually speaking, a recent phenomenon. You know, some of us grew up in churches where where we kind of got this message, you know, okay, Old Testament, think God the Father. Gospels, think Jesus. Rest of the New Testament, think Holy Spirit. That is really faulty when it comes to the Word of God. Some of you got even a worse message growing up in the church. God the Father in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ in the Gospels, and the Holy Spirit just for the book of Acts, for that transition to get it started. And then, you know, it all just kind of works out from there. It's horrible theology, The Holy Spirit is not a recent phenomenon. The Holy Spirit of God predates Pentecost by a long way. You know, the Holy Spirit of God comes way before Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit even comes before the creation of mankind. Listen to this. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty or or formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Holy Spirit, what are you doing in the book of Genesis maintaining, sustaining the creation of God? The Holy Spirit is here. But see, after creation the Holy Spirit actually moves into a more intimate and more personal relationship with mankind. You know, you you think of the old saying, going from glory to greater glory, the Holy Spirit at creation, y'all, that's glory. But what happens next with the Holy Spirit, even in the Old Testament, even before Pentecost, before Jesus, is greater glory. Because what we find right off the bat after creation is we see the Holy Spirit go to work within certain individuals. In in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit within certain individuals for wisdom and skill. You know, this was true for one of the Bible's best-known heroes, right in the book of Genesis, a man named Joseph. Listen to this. Genesis 41, 38. Pharaoh asked his advisors, can we find anyone like this man, Joseph, one in whom, in whom is the Spirit of God. Whoa! You talk about good marketing. Pharaoh is saying that. Listen to this. We see it in one of the Bible's lesser-known heroes, a man named Bezalel, Exodus 31.3. God says, And I have filled him, Bezalel, with the Spirit of God, with skill and ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. So, here we are early in the Old Testament, and what you see is the Holy Spirit filling each man, and suddenly, with the Spirit of God within them, they have the wisdom and the skill to do an impossible task for God. But we also see the Holy Spirit. Now, buckle up for this one. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon certain individuals in the Old Testament. You know, again, Holy Spirit poured out, we all think Pentecost. Here we are, early in the Old Testament, and we see individuals who, are, who the Holy Spirit comes upon them in power, and suddenly they've got supernatural, superhuman power and ability. Suddenly, here are normal human beings, and they can see and speak and act in ways that go way beyond normal human functioning. Listen to these. Oh, and by the way, this happened with, with prophets, kings, judges, and craftsmen. Uh, like Samson, Judges 14, 5, and 6, the Spirit of God came upon Samson in power, and so he tore the lion apart. I, I'd, I'd say that goes beyond normal human functioning, you know? Okay. Uh, and, and by the way, that happened in Samson's life time and time again. God would come upon him in power, and he would act as a judge against God, God's enemies. This is true for Jehazael the prophet, in Second Chronicles 20, 14, and 15. Some of you will recognize this because your favorite verse is tagged on the end of this. You have this in your homes on plaques. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be, def- be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours it is the Lord's. He utters that by the Spirit of God. And then we have King Saul, 1 Samuel eleven six. 6, when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. And so what I want us to recognize is that in the Old Testament, we have a very clear pattern established. The Holy Spirit filled someone with or came upon someone, and that person moved in power, wisdom, and they did the impossible for God. But there was a catch, okay? The catch is this. It was only on certain individuals for certain tasks, and that, ta- that task always had a time period. Now, still it's more glorious than the Spirit just hovering over creation. The Spirit's moved closer. The, the, the Spirit's done something incredible through him, through her in the Old Testament, And yet, before the Old Testament ends, suddenly this promise emerges from God that everything is going to change when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that what has become normative in the Old Testament is going to shift pretty radically. Now, it's uh, in Joel 2, and basically the promise here is that the Holy Spirit is going to move from one or two people to everybody, the Holy Spirit is no longer going to be a temporary phenomenon, but this thing is going to be permanent. So, it's going to be for everyone, and it's not going to have an expiration date on it. Listen to this. Joel two twenty eight through 29. Afterwards, says God, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Well, well, who are all people, God? Well, here we go. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is a major upgrade. You know, we're all into upgrades, right? My phone is eligible for an upgrade right now. Nothing like this, though, right? We love upgrades. This is an upgrade. And so, the Holy Spirit closes, and here is this promise from God. It's floating out there in the wind, right? It's, it's kind of hovering over the people of God, waiting to be fulfilled, and then, boom, the New Testament starts. And the New Testament begins with the advent, hint, 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 right? Advent. Uh, uh, someone arrives who is completely different. A man who has a completely different and new relationship with the Holy Spirit than we have ever seen. And it looks like what Joel's been talking about. His name, does anybody know the name? This is the second grade Sunday school answer. His name is Jesus, okay? And he has got the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes, and he is the Holy Spirit within him from birth, okay? Listen to this. Matthew one twenty. the angel says, "'Joseph, son of David,' Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus comes, and He has the Holy Spirit within Him from birth. But then, 30 years go by, and it's time for Jesus to step out into ministry. And so, here we have the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit is within like Old Testament pa- ca- uh, pattern, now the Holy Spirit comes upon him for ministry. Matthew three sixteen. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or landing on him. And so now, here we have Jesus Christ. Okay, we've already established the Spirit of God with is, is within him. Within him for what? Why? Well, for wisdom, like we've seen. Uh, Within him for godly character. Uh, Think of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians. So so he's got the character of God, but the Holy Spirit is also upon him for godly power, and there is nothing temporary about the power that is upon Jesus. We can't miss it, can we? You know, you, you, you read through the Gospels. You read about his life and times, His ministry to people, his relationships with people. I mean, pick anything that Jesus does. He gets up and preaches with incredible precision, with astounding effect and impact on people. You know, Jesus speaks, and boom, there is a thud. There's a, a heavenly handprint in the hearts and minds and lives of all kinds of people. I mean, even if it's the Pharisees just going crazy, reacting against it, you cannot be neutral with this man, Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit upon Man, when he speaks, E.F. Hutton, you know, everyone listens. People are changed. But Jesus also, when it comes to the darkness that we can't rescue ourselves from, what does Jesus do? He delivers people from sin. He delivers, delivers people from the devil, right? I mean, you, you can be horror movie relationship with the devil. Jesus just sets them free, the power of the Spirit at work in the life of Jesus. Jesus, when it comes to healing, He heals broken and infirmed people. And I don't know if you've ever really looked at the people closely in the Gospels. You know, these are lost causes. These are, these are people that even today... We would call a hopeless a hopeless case, right? I mean, leprosy, paralytics. He does it with a word. Jesus also performs miracles over nature, or at least I, I would say, walking on water is a miracle over nature. You know, calming a storm, miracle over nature. It defies logic, rationale, spirit of God. This is God moving through Jesus Christ. He also, though, he burns with a compassion for people, people who are lost, people who, who are just have been made ugly by sin. And so it's three years, though, of this glorious ministry of Jesus Christ, the spirit within, the spirit upon. But you know where I'm going with this because I just mentioned the time, time frame here. Three years. That's all. Three years of ministry, and now it's time for Jesus to return to God. But before Jesus goes, he makes an astonishing statement several times all over the Gospels. And his astonishing statement is, you who follow me, it's your turn next. It's your turn next. Listen to this. John 14, 12 through 13, I tell you the truth, he says. Good to believe the truth. Jesus says tell you the truth. This is truth, okay? I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Here's another very familiar Acts 1, 4, 5, and 8. Jesus gave them this command, and this is just before his ascension Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And and that's like all the way to the balcony. I mean, this thing's going to be big. So, Jesus says In the very plainest language here in these passages and many others that you could quote, we're going to be doing what he's doing by the Spirit, or at least the, the followers who come after him, they're going to do what he's been doing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will be within them from that moment of salvation, and he will be poured out upon them. And then Peter restates this to the crowd on the day of Pentecost, the day it happens. Why? So there's no mistake. So so everyone makes the connection. Listen to this. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Peter replied, and this is to a crowd of thousands, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, I understand that you guys have not all been to seminary. A few of us have, you know. Uh, Phil, you've been to seminary, Neil, Mark. So let me break down the Greek, okay, because this is very complex. What Peter is saying when he uses the word you, he means you. He's talking to everybody in the crowd who hears him. When he says your children, Peter means their children. The promise is not just for you who hear, but it's for your children, your children to come, for your grandchildren. So he's speaking immediately within the next generation to two. When he says, for all those who are far off, Peter's talking about the Gentiles, non-Jews. And he's also talking about those who geographically are a long way away. But then he says, and here's the showstopper, is also for all those whom the Lord our God will call. That is future language for everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ and believes in every age until he returns. That's how far this promise of the Holy Spirit goes. And so, here we have this first church who hears this message, who experiences this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they go on, we've read the book of Acts, we've talked about it, they go on to experience exactly what Jesus has said, what what Peter has promised. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enters hearts as they, they, they cry out for salvation. He's poured out upon them for power. And they walk in the book of Acts in the fullness of the, pow- uh, 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 of the power of the Holy Spirit in life and ministry. Th- this first church, they are like Jesus in character with the Spirit of God upon them, but they also do what He has been doing because the Spirit of God is upon them for power. And, and we know who the they is here. You know? the- I mean, this is folks like you know, Nicodemus and Paul and Gentiles, Samaritans, Greeks, The Ethiopian in chapter 8 of Acts, it's women, it's children, it's entire households, and of course, it's all those countless sinners out there who hear the message and they respond to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes within them and upon them, and the Holy Spirit, you know, life in the Spirit, just to steal a phrase from Pastor Chris, it just becomes their new normal. It does. It is the normative functioning of the church. And so, the question now is, well, where does that leave the church today? You know, what about us? I mean, times have changed. Culture has shifted. You know, uh, industry has risen up. You know, know, we've evolved, adapted, whatever you want to say. But where does this leave us in a rational, well-ordered, materialistic, modern world? where prestige matters so much. You know, reputation is everything, marketing and success. You know where it leaves us? In exactly the same place with the same need as the first church. We still desperately today need the indwelling and the overcoming power of the Holy Spirit in the church. Why? Because nothing has changed. The Great Commission is still just as impossible for us as it was for the first church. You know, it's it's not like, well, you know, we've got so many more discipleship tools, you know, and our worship has improved so much that, man, salvation is just a piece of cake for the church. It's not true. Hearts are still just as hard. Sin is just as big, and nothing has changed. And so the question for all of us today, if it's not, it should be this, how do we get back to the reality of the Scripture? The Holy Spirit has always been working This is the blueprint for the people of God. How do we get back there? How do we get back to the gospel words of Jesus? You know, how do we get back to the very first church? I'll tell you one way we get back. We have to deal with and repent of something that is in the way for people. If you're one of those people today and you're going, man, I have prayed for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Nothing happened. Well, here probably is your problem because it's been my problem. It's been everybody's problem. That includes you, okay? Um, we have to repent of our worldview. Now, here's what worldview is. Worldview is what forms what you believe is real and possible. You know, worldview is your perception. Worldview is it's just the way we see things and what we believe, Okay? And our worldview, if it's not biblical, our worldview is what keeps us so often from receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, life in Jesus Christ as a child. How does a child receive? If you need to know, come to my house. I'll show you how children receive. Chris can show you. You know what? Well, children, man, children are surrendered. Children are trusting. They just, they can believe and just follow anywhere worldview, so often, is what has got to change. Actually, worldview's got to be blown up in so many of us. It's got to be remade according to Scripture. Now, let me tell you what a few worldviews that are common to people are. One is, and I will step on a few toes, so if you get upset, this is you, okay? So, even if you are upset, pretend like you're not upset, all right? Give yourself a pass. One worldview that a lot of folks inside the church have is a religious worldview, a religious worldview is typically a worldview of judgment, real quick to judge, real quick to, to get very indignant about something. I grew up in a church, I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a second, but I, I grew up in a church, and a worldview was formed for me by my pastor. You know, that's that Holy Spirit stuff that you read about in Acts, man, that's just a bunch of emotionalism. You know, those people who do that, those charismatics, those, those guys are a bunch of nuts. They're a bunch of flakes, God doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. Pastors, teachers, churches, sometimes in their effort to have a church that's all together, everything well-ordered, you know, to be respectable in the community, they will, they will read right around the Holy Spirit, tell people it is not, not for today. That's a religious worldview that does not line up with the Scripture of God. And to come into the fullness of God, it's got to be repented of. And I'll, I'll share my story in a minute. Um, some of us have a worldview that, that's, that's informed by fear, you know, when it comes to the things of God. You know, I, I, I don't want to lose control. You know, I, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be rejected as, as, as a fanatic. You know, I'm an American, and when I read about the Holy Spirit, he doesn't seem very American to me. You know, he doesn't seem to do things the American way. Tongues, prophecy, miracles, all oh my, you know, just that kind of thing. Some of us, though, have a cultural mindset, a very Western mindset, and the Western mindset today is, you know, it, it is very materialistic. But we in America, we are a very logical people. We are a very rational people. You know, if we see it, we believe it. If it seems normal, it's okay. Now, here's the problem with that biblically. Isaiah 55 passage I opened up with his ways are a whole lot higher than ours his thoughts aren't ours read the stories in scripture imagine you were there when Jesus boom did this god moved that way in the old testament not too logical not too rational very good and very amazing but a western mindset just it, it, it's a blockage to the fullness of god some of us though and I think this is the all of us category one of the things that really gets in the way of, of us flowing in the power and the goodness of the Holy Spirit is just a worldview of sin. You know, going back to the religious, it's just falling into things like offense. Does offense happen in the church? Oh, yeah, good. Thank you for not denying it. Things like offense. Unforgiveness. I told the, the, the group that came up on Wednesday, I said, you know, look at, look at uh, John the Baptist when Jesus came. Did you notice Jesus had a forerunner's name, John the Baptist. What did John preach before Christ came? Repentance, right? Jesus is getting ready to be here. The Messiah is going to show up. You guys cannot receive him unless you repent. We need to do some baptism of repentance. Sin really gets in the way, and so th- this was, was John's pattern to get ready for Christ. But, folks, even as Christians, you know, we hold grudges. We cast judgment We hate on people. We do it. We nurse old wounds. You know, we get poisoned by the past. And listen, I'm not saying you do this. I'm saying I do that. There are many times in my life where I'm like, man, Steve, you know, you're not hearing very well from the Lord right now. You're not being moved by the Spirit of God. What's going on? 99.999% of the time, the Lord will say, brother, let me bring up a face. That's somebody you judged last week some here's someone who hurt you that you now hold something against. Repent and boom, things start all over again for me. But see, all of those worldviews, all of those worldviews blind our eyes. They harden our hearts. They shut the door to the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you my story, okay? Tell it to you real quick. Hey, I got time. All right, here's my story. So I grew up... in in a church, a a very good church in some respects, they had a high regard for most of the Word of God, okay? So they lifted up the Word, and they lifted up Jesus. Man, you could not go to this church without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was awesome. So what happened to me as a child was even though, you know, I'm not paying bills yet, or, you know, I don't have to manage a family, I realized as a kid, life is bigger than me, I'm a sinner even as a kid. I need the salvation of Jesus Christ in my life. I said yes to Jesus. Oh, my gosh, don't don't ever think a child cannot have a real experience with Christ. I was brand new. My eyes opened. My heart filled with joy. It was wonderful. It was amazing. But the downside of it was, and no fault on God's part, the downside of it was, was it my church taught. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything like that anymore. So, as a kid, I'm reading all these stories, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish that happened. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe they got to know God like that and experience Him and hear Him. And I became disillusioned as I grew up in this church. So, I got to be a teenager. I went off to college, and, um, you know, I, I, I was not living the way I should be for Christ. So, I said, I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. So, I start doing the dangerous thing. You know what the dangerous thing is? Read the Word of God. I began to read the Word of God, and suddenly I can't read around the Holy Spirit anymore because I don't have, I, you know, I don't know exactly how to do that. I'm just reading straight through, and I begin to realize, oh my goodness, there is nowhere in this Bible that says that the Holy Spirit ever stopped working. Like I was told. You know, even some of the verses that were translated for me, you know, like, oh, when the perfect one comes, then all these things like tongues and prophecy will be done away with. I was always taught, well, when the Bible is perfect, right? So, the Bible's perfect. We got the perfect Word of God. That's not even how it translates. In the Greek, it's perfect one. It means when Jesus returns to take us home to heaven, there's no need for prophecy anymore. There's no need for the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Well, the Great Commission's finished, we're home with him forever. I was in a quandary, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I don't know what to do. Here I am. You know, I've got all this belief about the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to be crazy. And I, So I've got all this junk in me, but my eyes are opening to Scripture. So I had some charismatic friends at, at, at college at Appalachian, and they said, Steve, why don't you come with us to a conference? And I said, well, you know, okay, sure, I'll go. So I went to this thing, and I'm like, man, I want to get out of this. It's going to be one of those charismatic things, and they're going to be all crazy. And But I, I said I would go. I'm going to have to go. Well, I got strep throat about three days before the conference, and I thought, thank you. Lord, I don't have to go. So I went to the infirmary. They gave me some antibiotics, and they said, you know, and, you know this is before the, the real concentrated antibiotics. And so he said, you know, it's going, to take you, it's going to take you about a week to get over. You're going to need to rest. You'll, you won't be contagious after 24 to 48 hours. But you know, you, you've got to just take it easy. So, my friends come to get me for the conference. and I said, guys, I can't go. I am sick. So, and they said, Steve, you gave us your word. You need to have integrity, and we'll take the risk. So, I said, okay, fine. I'll go to your dumb conference. So, I go, and I'm sitting in this thing. There's about 2,000 people. I'm sitting like right back where Mitch is. Mitch, raise your hand. That's Mitch Dobbs. Mitch is new to us. This is a wonderful man of God. Get to know him. But anyway, Mitch, sorry about that. Uh, To call you out like that. Uh, Okay, uh, your appetite will return later, trust me. So I'm sitting about where Mitch is, right? And um, I'm just miserable. And the, the guy's preaching. He's preaching about the blood of Jesus. That's all I remember. He's preaching about the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden he says, he stops, and he said, God is healing someone right now. And everybody looks up, and he says, God is healing somebody right this minute. And all of a sudden, I felt my throat, it felt like someone took a blowtorch and just hit me in the throat. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, my fever's out of control. I'm gonna die in this conference. <laughs> <laughs> I did, not really. So then the, the, the heat leaves, and I realize I'm completely well. I'm completely restored. The weakness is gone, you know? My, my eyes don't hurt. You know, you get that, that yeah, that, that headache with the fever. I am completely whole. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even think I believe in this stuff. You know? So I'm completely whole, and, and, and um, the Lord said to me, the first experience of really hearing the Lord, the Lord said, what will you do next? And, and I, I tried to rationalize it away. Oh, this is, this, is, this is not, this is me. But I knew it was the Lord. You know how you know that you know, even when you don't know, you've never experienced? I knew it was the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do next. And he said, right now, whoever that was, get up and come up here. And I just went, oh, my gosh. So I did have, I did have, have an out, though, The great thing is, these are a bunch of charismatics. And you know what charismatics do in a conference? Everybody claim the healing. So everybody gets up. They all go forward. So I'm in this, I'm in this sea of people, and I'm like, you know, I'm swimming around like Nemo, like, hey, this is great, you know? And the guy stops, he scans the crowd, and he says, It's that young man right there. And he pointed at me, he said, The Lord just healed your throat. And I just opened my eyes and I I took a step back and I, I was undone, and then he said, come up here. So I walked up the stage, and I got to about, now he's like over here, and I'm about on step one, and I there's something else I didn't believe in, being slain in the spirit, I drop like a rock. <laughs> and, I, and I even remember, I even remember I'm laying there, I'm going, get up, get up, get up. So he says, get up. He says, he says get him up and bring him over here. So I walked over to him, and he said, what, what did you feel? And I said, it, I just felt like a wave of the love of God just came over me. And he said, well, the Lord wants you to feel it again. And he never touched me, and I went straight back down. But I did hear him say, the power of God will rest on that young man for the rest of his life. Now, so when I talk about worldview, God blew up my worldview. God ruined my rotten theology in a moment by his Holy Spirit. And God is in the business of doing that. Think of Peter, you know, all the Jews and the Gentiles, clean and unclean. God blows that thing up in a second with a vision. Paul, walking down the road to Damascus, you know, this is how God does things, and forget this ridiculous church. God blew that worldview up on the road to Damascus. Would you be willing to let the Spirit of God blow up your worldview? Would, would you be willing? And look, even if, even if you're like me, you know, and, you, and you're, you're a charismatic and you look back and you go, man, there was a time when I walked in the power of the Spirit. I heard His voice. hadn't happened in a while. Would you be willing to let the Holy Spirit show you what's in the way? Would you be willing to do that? Folks, our worldviews need to be repented of. They need to be blown up by God so we can see and receive the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, I've already said it, because the great commission of Jesus Christ is impossible without the indwelling and the power of God through the people of God. It's impossible. It's impossible. There's reason number one. Reason number two, because we are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are meant to be empowered by the Spirit of God for life and ministry. It's all over Scripture. And number three, here's my favorite of all. Jan Teagle gave me this one yesterday for free. Because the Holy Spirit is not meant to be a silent partner in the church of Jesus Christ. You know? I tell you, that that church I was in, it was like the Holy Spirit was a trustee. He was there to help us understand Scripture, and that's the end of it. Jesus says in Acts 1-8 church, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Peter follows that up with, this promise is for you, it's for your children, it's for those far off and all whom the Lord our God will call. So here's how we're going to end today, okay? We're going to end, oh, and I've got to finish that announcement for Harrison. Don't let me forget. I'm going to to invite you to come forward today. Um, You can stand where you are if you're not able to stand, that's okay, but I want to invite you to come forward I want to pray for us as a people, as a church. And um, we'll have some el- elders will come up, uh, all prayer ministers. If you need ministry, just signify, I need somebody to pray with me if you're up here. And, and let them pray with you. So uh, we'll enter into a time of worship. Um, I'll lead us through a prayer, Shiloh, and then I think you guys might sing something. And um, we'll just do some ministry. So let's do this. Let's just get into this space. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, we don't pray for a visitation. We pray for a habitation. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love the nation that we live in. We are so thankful for the time that we live in. God, I rejoice in the resources that you've given me as a husband and a father. But God, I still cannot do this without you. Lord, we can't live this life. And God, spiritually speaking, we're dead in the water without the Spirit of God. So, Lord, right now, right now, we just begin to repent. I thank you that repentance is not shameful. It's not some heavy, dark thing. But, Lord God, worldview gets in the way. We see dimly, too darkly. So, Father God, we just respond to you right now. Father, we just want to step into this place and into this space. Holy Spirit, we we want to make that walk toward you today, right now, right now. Oh, Father God, we just repent as a people, as a church of cultural worldviews that this is the only way it can happen as Americans. That This is how the world is. Father, we repent of that in Jesus' name. God, forgive us for being a product of the world we live in. It's not right. It's not good. It doesn't work. So, Father God, we just push that aside right now in Jesus' name. Lord, Right now, we also just would speak against, we would cast down, we would repent of religious worldviews. Lord God, I know we had well-intentioned pastors and teachers and churches. But Lord God, some of us have been given a lie about the Spirit of God. Many lies about the Holy Spirit. We just honor you right now, Holy Spirit. I say that you are God. You are God in our midst. And so we just embrace you we let go of everything that does not line up with scripture and we embrace you today Holy Spirit But we repent of our fear our fear that you're going to embarrass us with the Holy Spirit the fear that we don't want to identify with those kinds of people Lord today in Jesus name blow that up and Father God when it comes to sin Lord would you just forgive us here we are here we are in your presence forgive us of our sins Forgive us, Lord, where we have judged another, where we've spoken against another, where God, we've harbored hatred and spite and bitterness in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you are here to sweeten the waters. I thank you for that prophetic word from Susan this morning that there is a shift today. There's a shift today in Jesus' name, and Father God, I'm I'm ready. I myself am ready. Oh, Father God, would you heal? Would you restore gifts of healing to the church? Father God, would you restore the prophetic voice to the church? Lord God, would you you restore just those miracles that lead people to Jesus, that open their eyes? Father God, would you indwell your people deeply and richly? Would you come upon us for power in the name of Jesus Christ? Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. You are so welcome. And Holy Spirit, if you come at the expense of my reputation as an evangelical Presbyterian church pastor, that's great. Father God, if you come and and like the church that my parents go to now, where everybody says in town, oh yeah, that's the weird church. Lord, that's okay. Father, it's okay because what what they would call weird, that is the very thing that's going to break through hearts and minds in days to come. So Lord, come. Just fill these hands. Fill these hearts. Lord God, overcome these minds. Jesus, we honor you and we welcome the Holy Spirit that you have poured out. Rain upon us in the name of Jesus Christ. Rain on your church. Lord God, restore us, renew us, fill us, use us in the name of Jesus. Y'all, come on up. If you need prayer today, come up. They're going to lead us through, through a song or two or whatever. Come up if you need prayer. If you don't, that's fine. Worship. Worship in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.